Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of uh, coronary artery evaluation. And as I mentioned in the first part, we're going to do this in some sense as a case-based study. So here's a patient with shortness of breath, and we're going to look very carefully at why the patient has shortness of breath. The patient had an echo, which showed a high-velocity shunt, and the question is, what's going on? We got a coronary CTA. You look carefully at the LAD, at left main. You see a few calcified plaques. Okay, nothing quite grabs you. Then you look at a few other images, and I'm going to circle a little dot for you and ask you what this dot is. What is that vessel there? I'm not sure. Okay, so let's go again. Let's look at the coronal view, and I'll say, what is that dot again? And there it is. What is that? Well, this is a good example of when you really want to follow something, you put it into 3D volume rendering, you rotate along the vessel, and now you see this vessel that's cutting up there, going between the pulmonary artery and the ascending aorta. Okay, what is that vessel? It's nothing normal that I could think of. And then you do 3D imaging, and now look at the color-coded 3D. You see what looks like a button on top of the pulmonary artery, and you see a vessel coming to it from the right and a vessel coming to it from the left. And here it is again. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you this with a little bit of motion. So let's take a look at this video. So I'm going to scroll through and look at the images. I'm going to give you all four sets of views that we're going to look at. And you can see as we go through the data set, the color-coded one is probably the most impressive, but you can see this vessel, this button on top of the pulmonary artery, and a vessel coming to it and a, from both the left and the right side. So knowing what I've just shown you, the question is going to be, what exactly are we dealing with? So I'll give you four choices, anomalous coronary arteries, right or left, coronary artery aneurysm, or fistula. Well, you can see this was not an anomalous coronary artery, and it's really not an aneurysm. These draining vessels or feeding vessels and this button on top really represents a fistula. The patient went to surgery, had two communications, one from the right and one from the left, um, and both of these were ligated. And the answer, of course, then is a coronary artery fistula, which is an abnormal communication between a coronary artery and another vascular chamber or structure, be it artery, vein, or chamber. Most common drainage is to the right ventricle, right atrium, and the pulmonary artery, which was the case here. But the drainage can be almost anywhere, coronary sinus, SVC, as well as left atrium and ventricle. Just statistically, the right coronary artery is more commonly involved than the left, and in fact, two-thirds of all cases come from the right coronary artery. The coronary artery is dilated and tortuous, as was the case here. It's usually treated by surgery, as was the case here. And sometimes patients present with hemodynamic issues, as was the case here, ranging from uh, the equivalence of an ASD or VSD to myocardial ischemia. More than 90% of coronary fistulas drain into the right atrium, coronary artery sinus, or right ventricle. In terms of causes, congenital is most common, though you can see it as a complication from chest trauma, from angioplasty, from bypass surgery, or cardiac transplantation. It's very rare, under 0.2% at autopsy, but again, the patients can present with all sorts of cardiac symptoms. 
A few articles by Zenos wrote an article talking about how 3D rendering can be valuable for preoperative planning. Anything with complicated vascular anatomy is where 3D rendering with volume rendering is ideal. Here's an example of a large right coronary artery fistula. And here's an example recently of a coronary artery fistula from the left main coronary to the coronary sinus. You see axially the vessels going between the left atrium and the ascending aorta, which you can see nicely at the arrow. But on the coronal 3D volume rendered views, it's really ideal. And then here from above is showing you that pathology. Okay, next case. A patient presents with a history of GERD, has chest pain after shoveling snow. The patient did have a known history of coronary artery disease, went to the ER, had a, an emergency cath, which showed a normal left main, normal LAD, but acute circ occlusion. The patient was sent to Hopkins, and a cardiac CT was done for further evaluation for some abnormalities that were uncertain on the coronary cath. And you can see when you look at the images quickly, the left main, the LAD, look fine. But then as you keep going, you see that the patient's circumflex is occluded. Okay, that's what the cath showed. But if you look a little bit closer, you see a circular structure at the circumflex. And you look a little bit better on the coronal views. And you see that circular structure, which has some rim-like calcification. And then I would ask you the question, what is the finding beyond the circ? What is it? Fistula, aneurysm, anomalous vessels, what's going on? Well, when you look carefully, the answer is somewhat obvious. This is a calcified ring-like structure, which is not enhancing, and that's going to be an aneurysm, okay? The patient had a circumflex coronary artery aneurysm in addition to the occlusion. Just a terrific case. Now, if I ask you a few questions about coronary artery aneurysms, what's the most common cause worldwide? And then the answer for that would be Kawasaki's disease. If I say most common cause in U.S., it would be atherosclerosis. And there are a range of causes for coronary artery aneurysms with those two, Kawasaki's and atherosclerosis, being at the top of the list with Kawasaki's big number one. But you can see other causes in Takayashu's to infection, to Lois Dietz can all be possibilities. Now, we can ask, how do you define a coronary artery aneurysm? What is it? Well, it's defined as a 50% or greater increase in the coronary artery diameter compared to adjacent arterial segments. Okay, that's easy. And if you look at some of the numbers, these aneurysms involve the right coronary most commonly, and then the LAD second most common. So the right coronary, you don't think about that vessel much, but fistulae and aneurysms, it's number one. Now, coronary artery aneurysms are uncommon. Some series up to 5%, but usually less. And things like Kawasaki's is so rare, but it's usually the, a certain population. Remember, Kawasaki's, the patients are typically under 5, usually a peak of age 2, more common in male, more common in Asians, especially Japanese, and it's acute febrile illness. So it's a very important disease to recognize. It also goes by the name of mucutaneous lymph node syndrome. It has many cardiac findings, including pericardial effusion and mitral regurge, but also coronary artery aneurysms are in there. The thing about coronary artery aneurysms in a young patient, you gotta be thinking Kawasaki's. Here's an 11-year-old male. 
Beautiful example. Let me zoom up a bit on that. Look at that beautiful aneurysm in the left anterior descending coronary artery. Or in this patient, we see multiple coronary artery aneurysms. And again, these also have faint calcification despite the fact the patient's 12 years of age. So you're thinking multiple coronary artery aneurysms. You better be thinking Kawasaki's as well, though it's not diagnostic alone of Kawasaki's. Um, in terms of how good CT is, there's an article by Han a couple years back. Um, again, that coronary CT is excellent for evaluating these patients. Now, let me just mention a few other things about coronary artery aneurysms. They can be incidental findings. This patient had a non-contrast chest CT. They thought the patient had a mass in the heart or pericardiac nodes, which you can see there by the right uh, atrium, right ventricle region, and you look at it in a few more views. Well, what that was actually, when you look carefully at the image at your upper left, was an aneurysm of the right coronary artery. But it's not opacifying, it's a thrombosed aneurysm of the right coronary artery. You can see vessel extending from it distally. So it can be very unusual, can be tricky. Coronary artery aneurysm complications, thrombosis, embolic phenomena, AV fistulas, rupture, hemopericardium. Management typically is medical with anticoagulants and antiplatelet agents, but if drug therapy fails, then bypass grafting or stent placement is an alternative. Okay, great case. All right, let's move on. Another case, a patient with history of depression, anxiety, had a negative nuclear stress test, but the patient had all sorts of symptoms. The question is, what is going on? Coronary CT was ordered. What are you looking at? Well, look at the patient's right coronary artery. Beautifully seen, but what's that vessel coming off it and going and making a quick turn to the left. Here it is again. What is that vessel? Here it is in 3D. Look how nicely you can see that. It looks like one vessel giving off two coronary arteries. And you could look at this, and let's say we scroll through it in a range of planes, and then look at volume rendering, which really gives you a very nice feel of the vessels. But again, what are we dealing with? When you're looking at this, look at the right coronary. What vessels is it giving off? And then at the same time, where is the left main coronary artery? Where is the LAD? Where are things going? And so I'm kind of hinting to you at the answer. And again, look and scroll through those images. And you, now you've looked through them. But let me ask you, what's going on here? Well, the best answer, what is it? Well, the answer that's the correct answer is that the patient's left main coronary artery arises off the proximal right coronary artery, makes a left turn, comes between the pulmonary artery, and you can see it right here, and the uh, comes between the uh, ascending aorta and the uh, outflow track, and there it is right there, tracking from right to left a very classic presentation, and here it is again beautifully shown. We can look at, again, look at the 3D in motion, and just watch that right main coronary dividing into the right and left coronary arteries. Here's a very nice schematic to show you that as well. And again, it's a very important variation because it's going between the components 
of the uh, outflow track of the uh, heart and the uh, patient's ascending aorta. And that's the classic interarterial location, which this indeed is, which you can see the question I would ask. And typically, the left main coronary artery, when it arises from sinus valsalva, right coronary, or as a common trunk, um, which are all rare variations, typically have an interarterial course. Now, left main coronary arising off the right coronary, there are a number of pathways. The interarterial course, which I showed you here between the aorta and pulmonary artery, it could be a transeptal uh, course, prepulmonic, or retroaortic course. All of them are possible. Interarterial is the winner here. And again, remember that interarterial, this nice article by Sundaram, shows that that's clinically significant. It's referred to as the malignant anomaly, which can potentially lead to sudden death. And here's just a nice set of uh, explanations between the three benign anomalous courses and the one malignant, with the interarterial course being between the aorta and the pulmonary artery at the level of the pulmonotic valve or right ventricular outflow tract. So just a very nice explanation there. Okay, great. Let's look at another case. So in this case, um, patient had negative stress test. They thought about operating this patient, but they thought the risk was too high uh, initially. Um, they thought about unroofing, bypassing. So basically, at the end, they said, forget surgery, let's manage conservatively, and the patient's being managed conservatively, and so far, so good. But it was between a rock and a hard place what to do in this patient. Okay, let's look at another case. Here's a nice example, again, of anomalous vessels. Here, the right coronary is arising off the left cusp. Again, interarterial course, outflow track from the uh, pulmonary artery region and ascending aorta. Beautiful example of that, shown in multiple views and multiple perspective. And again, another example of a malignant configuration. I think it's important to know about coronary artery anomalies. It's something we do see occasionally, but it's critical to recognize. It's a common cause of sudden death in young adults. It's not the most common. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is number one, but coronary anomalies are number two. So you need to know them. They're not that frequent, but you need to know it when you see it. My advice always is look at the coronary arteries in every single study you do. Okay, another case. Patient, 25 years old, has a typical chest pain, EKG findings, cardiac CT is ordered. What do we see? Well, if you look at these two images or this pair of images, there's a coronary artery, and where is it coming from? It looks like it's coming from the pulmonary artery. And if you look at the images and you look at things with 4D, you recognize that the patient's left coronary artery is coming off the patient's pulmonary artery. And then we'll go from those motion images to a few static images, which show you this indeed very nicely. So you have the coronary coming off the pulmonary. which And then what happens is the right coronary is large. So if I ask you what the best diagnosis is, is, anomalous, is it anomalous origin of a vessel? Is it an aneurysm? Is it a fistula? Well, I kind of gave it away. It's the left coronary originating from the patient's pulmonary artery. An anomalous origin, which you can see nicely here, 
And if you wanted to know what the specific anomaly was, it's the left interior descending off the pulmonary artery. Just a beautiful, beautiful example with hypertrophy of the right coronary artery. Now this goes by a little set of letters called L kappa, anomalous origin of left coronary from the pulmonary artery, a very nice syndrome, can occur in adults or children. Um, if it's not recognized, the children will die. They experience an infarct early in life. Uh, remember, as the pulmonary artery pressure drops after birth, there's decreased flow to the left ventricular myocardium, which leads to congestive failure, comma, mitral insufficiency, and potentially death. To survive past infancy, you need to develop a significant circulation from the right coronary to the left to give you increased flow. Typically, flow to the left coronary artery territory is insufficient as patients get older, assuming it hasn't happened earlier, and they can develop arrhythmias and they can get sudden death as well. So this alcapa is really interesting. You can see tortuous vessels by the vessels that are not involved, dilated into coronary collaterals, LV hypertrophy are also seen. Good article by Penna. Alcapa syndrome is rare anomaly, which the left coronary arises from the main pulmonary artery. Um, it brings up the whole topic about anomalous vessels, and you can think about things as origin, course, and termination. So origin being a high takeoff, multiple osteo, single coronary, or as in this case, the origin from the pulmonary artery. So just a very nice example looking at that case. Um, just works out very nicely to look at that. So let's continue with that case. Patient had chest pain, shortness of breath, the best diagnosis. Well, you're looking at the origin of the right coronary artery, and you say, where's the right coronary artery? Well, when you see it, you recognize the right coronary artery is dilated. You also recognize the left coronary arteries are dilated. But then you look more carefully, and where's that right coronary coming from? It's coming from the pulmonary artery. And you can see that again, if you look at the 3D, and here I'm going to simply interact with the data sets and you could see something's wrong here. The right coronary artery, uh, it's coming off the pulmonary artery. A beautiful visualization in 3D. So you can see the motion there. And then I will go, if you look at the next image, you can see it in 3D very nicely. The CTA report, we said a right coronary from the uh, main pulmonary artery the rest of the vessels were mildly dilated. And it's interesting, we talk about L kappa. This is kind of the R kappa, right? A R C A P A, an almost right coronary from the pulmonary artery. Very nicely seen. And so when you talk about anomalous origin of the coronary artery from the pulmonary artery, four types L kappa, R kappa, both coronaries from the pulmonary or an accessory coronary from the pulmonary artery. So the one I just showed you was that R kappa, just a very nice example. And some comments related to that, anomalous origin of the right coronary from the pulmonary artery, variable age presentation, variable clinical presentation, including angina, heart failure, or even sudden death. Large proportion of the patients are asymptomatic, and surgery is the study or, and treatment of choice in uh, these patients. 
just some numbers, anomalous right coronary from the pulmonary artery, really tiny, 0.002% at best. And it really rarely leads to sudden death. Alcapa can, Rcapa typically does not. So a very, very interesting case. And I have some more interesting cases, but I see the hour is getting late. So let's take a five-minute break and come back and crank it out. Bye-bye.